If you have your copy of the scriptures, I invite you to look with me at the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter three this morning, and we're going to look at the first six verses of this chapter. And before I do that, I wanted to mention just a couple things. Uh, one is, uh, this Thursday, I go to Duke for my next round of surveillance. And so I will begin at 7 a.m. And so if you would like to pray for me, I really would appreciate that. As, as you have heard me say, it's still true. I still get more nervous the closer I get. So I'm at the point where my anxiety is starting to rise. Um, I'm starting to think about it more and having a little bit harder time sleeping. So if you would pray for me, I really would appreciate that. Um, 7 a.m. start time, and I will let you know next week, uh, Lord willing, uh, whatever results I get. So um, just know that, and thank you for your prayers. All right, we're looking at Hebrews together for this first six months of the year, and very quickly, if you want the book of Hebrews and a tagline, it's this, the power of an indestructible life. That's chapter 7, verse 16. That's how Jesus is described, and if you are in Jesus, then you too have an indestructible life. Then I've given you six kind of tagline statements that hopefully will build up your uh, gospel reflex so that during the week, no matter what you're going through, maybe, these, maybe one of these six will just pop in your mind. Here they are. Uh, Jesus is better. Life is full of ups and downs. Love is hard. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Jesus. Warnings are wake-up calls. We all need realignment. And finally, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Listen to this from Hebrews chapter 3. This is God's word. You can bank your entire life on this. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our, our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for this book that we have to study. We know you've given it to us. Uh, You tell us that it's given to us as an an exhortation to uh, take into our lives and consider. Um, We thank you that it, it comes to us in ways that sometimes may be a little hard for us to understand. But Holy Spirit, you're so faithful to help us understand these words. So we ask that you would open up our minds and that you would enable us to receive the truth. And we ask Holy Spirit even more that, that you would, would you nail us to the cross today? Like, would you take the things about us that um, are reprehensible, things that we hate, things that we might not even be aware of, would you nail those things to the cross And help us to see that our only hope is in Jesus. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would convince us again that 
where, where our sin is, is great, the mercy and grace of our God is, is much greater. Convince us that Christ is better, that he's enough. Give us a desire to be like him. We do pray in his name. We pray for our good, but we pray in his name. Amen. So this morning, I want to start with where this text starts. And that is, it starts by addressing us in a very specific way. And I want to highlight that for you because it matters. Before we get into the main point of these verses, I want you to see how this text starts. Let's start where the text starts. This passage starts by telling us that we who believe in Jesus and belong to Jesus have unbelievable privileges. If you're here this morning and you belong to Jesus, you need to be refreshed about what is most true about you. There are a lot of things that are true about you, but these things are most true about you. And I hope that this is encouraging to you and maybe resets you for the week. And if you're here and you're exploring Christianity or thinking about what does it mean to follow Jesus or what is this Jesus thing, just know that that these benefits that I'm about to highlight from the first verse and the first phrase of the first verse of chapter 3, they're what's offered to you in Jesus. Look at verse 1, friends. This is who you are in Jesus, brothers and sisters. This is the thread that continues from chapter 2. Because of what Jesus has done, you're brought into God's family. You're brothers and sisters. You belong to God. You are part of his family. It's why we get to eat at his table, because we're brothers and sisters in Jesus. Look at the next phrase that's there, that we share in something, that there's the most important thing is something that we all have in common, Jesus. The most important thing in life, we share. We have together we share in something. We partake in something together. And it's the most important thing in the world. It's Jesus. And notice the next phrase. We share in a heavenly calling. So as you're sitting here this morning and before we even get to the main point of what he's talking about, he wants you, he wants me to be reminded that I belong to God's family, that there's something that unites all of us, and that there's a heavenly calling that's at work in our lives. Because you see, Christianity is not, here are a few techniques that you get to go work in your life. It's not maxims that you get to live by, so if you just follow those maxims, you get the outcome that you want. It's that there's a heavenly calling that God has reached into us and God is pursuing us, and God is transforming us. We're not here to learn a few techniques and then go live them out. The Christian message is that God has a hold of us, that there's a calling on our lives, and that calling comes from God himself, that he pursues and that he summons us to new life. And he promises to change us and be with us and dwell in us by the Spirit. So again, if you're here and you're exploring Christianity, just know those things are on offer for you. If you're thinking about how in the world can you connect to God 
And how can your life have meaning? It's through Christ. It's through Christ that you're brought into the family. It's through Christ that you have something in common that can never be taken away. And it's through Christ that you understand that God has a hold of you. And the message of the gospel is is one of grace. The message is not come get some tips and then go work it this week. But to realize that God is in you, transforming and changing you. Now, you know, throughout history, God has always used people to do amazing things. God has done amazing things in history through people. And this morning, I don't want you just to hear those first three things we talked about and then forget them. Remember who you are so that you can hear the point of what God is making in these verses. You see, God's always used people throughout history to do amazing things, but here's what we gotta talk about this morning. Here's the main point. This is me trying to billboard the big idea. Here it is. We need to talk about hero worship. We need to talk about hero worship. This passage is talking about hero worship. Now I know from the outset, you're probably thinking, you know, we don't think about heroes too much anymore. You're right. We don't think about heroes too much anymore. We, uh, we have streets and buildings that are named after people, right? But that pretty much just indicates that they're really successful. We enjoy sporting events, probably, and there are iconic plays, and someone gets a game ball after the game because they made an iconic play. Um, we identify people that are uh, famous. We, we identify celebrities and, and what they are, but honestly, we identify celebrities because we're actually interested in, in really what they have, not who they really are. You know, we, we, we want their fame or their power or their resources or some gift that they have. We don't think too much about heroes. Um, I'm not even sure we really value character that much anymore at all. You know what we value as Americans, right? Production. We value someone who can get things done. We value people that have skills and are charismatic. We value the fact that they can get it done. I had a conversation with my mom this week. And we were talking about someone who she knew uh, who's no longer alive. And my mom said to me, he was a godly man. And I thought to myself, I haven't heard that in a long time. We don't have a tendency to value character much. Just skills and abilities. And this passage is talking to us about Moses. Did you notice that when we read? A lot of it is talking about Moses. You see, everything that this passage tells us about Moses is is positive. If you look back through the first six verses, you can find these phrases. Here here, here are some of the highlights, quick hits that verses one through six tell us about Moses. Um, He's worthy of glory. That's what one thing it says. 
The text also tells us that, um, that he was someone at the end of verse 5 who, to- who talked about the better things to come. He was a pointer. He was pointing to something more glorious to come. If you look back through the phrases, what another, another thing you find out about Moses is that he was a servant. That with his life, he served God. And you also find two times in these verses this little highlight, this little thing about Moses. He was faithful. Everything in this passage about Moses is complimentary. It's good. He's someone to look up to. He's someone that God's people looked up to. Here's a little bit more background about Moses. He lived 120 years. It's a pretty good old age, isn't it? 120 years old. Here are some highlights about his life, just to fill in some of the gaps. You know, Moses was somebody who should have died as a baby. You know that? He was someone that grew up in a foreign land. He was someone that God summoned to do something really amazing. Moses had a calling on his life. God wanted Moses to help God's people. And Moses wasn't sure that he wanted to do that. He wasn't sure that he liked that calling. There was even one instance in which Moses said to God, God, I can't do this. You want me to talk? You want me to, do th- you want me to be your spokesperson? I- I've got a stuttering problem, and I can't do it. God told him to do it anyway. wonder if you've ever had things in your life where you know you need to do it, but you just felt incompetent to do it. Lord, surely I'm not the best person to do this. God's not so much concerned about whether or not Moses was the most eloquent person in the world, was he? He wanted Moses because he wanted Moses. Moses served God in such a way that some amazing things happened. He led God's people out of Egypt. Moses was there when the Red Sea parted. Remember all that? There were some amazing things that happened when Moses was serving God in his life. But let me tell you, Moses was far from perfect. There was a time when Moses was younger that he killed somebody. Can you take that in? He actually killed somebody. Moses, servant of God, faithful. There was another time in Moses' life in which um, he was really upset because he saw that God's people were worshiping idols, an idol, and you know what Moses did? He broke the first set of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> How about that? He just got the Ten Commandments from God, he saw God's people, and he decided to just break them. There was another time where Moses got mad at God, and so he started beating a rock, because he didn't like God's timing and a bunch of other stuff, but, but because of that, Moses wasn't allowed to enter the Promised Land. God said, you're not, you're not gonna go into the promised land, Moses. I need you to lead my people, but you have these indiscretions at times. Moses wasn't perfect, if I need to say it again. God said, you won't enter the promised land. As a matter of fact, when Moses died, the text seems to say to us that God buried Moses. No one knows where Moses was buried. He went up on the mountain, Pisgah, I think it must have been North Carolina, and (laughs) God showed Moses the whole promise, like the whole state was out there. And then God, God took him. No one knows where Moses is buried. 
Moses was far from perfect. And this text says he was faithful. It's not ignoring the fact that Moses had these indiscretions and rebelliousness and that he uh, did horrific things that blatantly violated God's word. But Moses was a man that God says was faithful and humble and a servant. Because he was a guy that learned in his life that he needed to repent and believe that his life was not about himself. Moses was the mediator of the covenant of grace to God's people. Moses was standing between God, meeting with God face to face, and then he would go and talk to God's people. He was the mediator. He helped people understand the grace of God. Matter of fact, Moses was so close to God at one time that his face started glowing because he was in God's presence. How about that? Moses was an amazing person. But this text tells us that in talking about hero worship, we need to consider Jesus. Did you notice that in the first phrase, or excuse me, the first verse? Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus. You see, in the first century, you might remember this from the first week we talked about Hebrews. In the first century, the church was exploding and going all over the place and growing and popping up here and there. And the church was also facing persecution. And that persecution was building in intensity. And there was something else about the first century that we might forget sometimes. That it was a time of transition. That God's people had done things in a certain way for thousands of years. And now with the coming of Jesus, things were changing a little bit. God's people were used to thinking about what tribe they came from. And they were used to thinking about, I'm of the lineage of David, or my great-great-grandfather served in David's army. And there were those who were thinking, you know, well, we're the people that God gave the law to. We're really important. And this piece of land in the Middle East, this is our land. God promised us this land. And God was telling them in the same way he tells us that they were supposed to see their entire history through the lens of Jesus. But they struggled to do that because they like to have their identity in their history. They like to have their identity in where they came from and what land they thought was theirs and, and what tribe they came from and how royal they were or not. And the challenge was for them, they had to transition so they could see all of their history through the lens of Jesus. And you see, it was hard for them. They were supposed to think of the sacrificial system and see Jesus. They were supposed to think about David as the greatest king, and yet Jesus was the better king. They were supposed to think about that little piece of land that was theirs and realize through Jesus, it's not that piece of land. It's the whole earth. They were supposed to think about the priests and, oh, that's Jesus. They were supposed to think about whatever tribe they were from and connect it. Everything about their history was to lead them to Christ. But they really struggled to do that. You see, 
one of the challenges of not connecting everything in the Bible to Jesus is that, is that we're not thinking comprehensively enough is the point. To not read the scriptures and look for Christ, to not see everything in the Bible as pointing us to Jesus and about Jesus means that our scope is too narrow. We're not thinking comprehensively enough. And when we don't connect the scriptures to Jesus, what happens is we have a tendency to put too much value on a particular person or on a particular thing. So God helps us think about that by, in this text, talking about the idea of a house. Do you notice that? In these six verses, the word house or household or that word play is mentioned at least six times. God's wanting us to think about Moses and his relationship to the house. Now, if you read the text, you'll find out that a house is actually just a way to talk about God's people. You know, look at verse six. We are God's house. God's house is made up of his people. It's all of his people. And verse four tells you that God himself is the builder. He's the one that builds this house. But what God is communicating to us is there are times in which because we don't connect everything to Jesus, we end up putting more value on something that's less than Jesus or things that are less than Jesus. But those things or those people are supposed to point us to Jesus. Does that make sense? So God keeps pressing and says, well, let's just talk about Moses and how he functioned in my house with my people. And he starts using language of comparison. Look at what he says. Moses was a servant, but Jesus was the son. Moses was a servant of God, which meant that he didn't inherit the house the way the son did. Jesus inherits the whole thing. Moses was just a servant of God within the household of God. As a matter of fact, when you look back through the language, you see that Moses, at the end of verse 5, already mentioned this, was talking about and pointing to greater things yet to come. But it's easy to ignore that when you have someone that you perceive as so amazing, like Moses, and not think about what he's pointing toward because you got Moses. And then if you look even further, it says that Moses was faithful in God's house, but Jesus was faithful over God's house. So that Moses was significant. He was amazing, horribly flawed, but he was faithful. But Moses himself was even supposed to point to Christ himself. You see, God is trying to get us to understand that everything in the Bible is telling us about Christ. Everything. So, Moses was never meant to be a stumbling block for us. Moses was meant to be a stepping stone. When I would go visit my grandparents in uh, East Tennessee, my granddaddy had uh, like an old barn uh, off the carport of the driveway. And he loved to work with wood. And 
there were times in which uh, I would get up in the morning and I would go outside and I could hear the machines running and I would go to the outside of the barn because it was old. And if you can picture in your mind, there were these old wooden planks and they weren't exactly, you know, perfectly flush with the next one. There were cracks here and there. And so I could go up to the side of the barn and I could look in and I, and I could see my granddad working. And, and when the sun was out, the sun would come through these various cracks in the barn. And the beams of the sun, I could look through, and the rays of the sun would come in, and it would illuminate that workroom, and it would illuminate what my granddad was doing. My granddad could be kind of tough, so I had to wait until he kind of invited me in sometimes, you know? But I was curious. And it reminds me of this statement that a guy made a long time ago about the rays and beams of the sun. That, that the rays and the beams shine in on things to help us see what's in front of us so we can see more clearly what's going on, like me watching my granddad making things. But those beams and rays of the sun are also there so that I can look at those rays and beams and I can go backwards back to the source of where those rays and beams come from. Make sense? Moses was great, horribly flawed, but God's grace was greater. But the whole of Moses' life is meant for me to follow Moses all the way back to his creator and all the way back to the person that he was actually pointing everyone and everything to, and his name was Jesus. Moses was never meant to be a distraction. He was meant to be somebody that helped us understand who Christ is and what Christ came to do. But so oftentimes we miss it. and We look for other things. You see, there's so many parallels with Jesus' life. Jesus should have died as a baby too, shouldn't he? You talk about living in a foreign land. He left heaven and came here and took on human form. He also wrestled with the calling on his life as he was growing in his understanding of it. Don't you remember his statement to his father? Isn't there another way? Can we let this cup pass from me? Can we give it to somebody else? Is there another way? And it's not just that, it's not just that Moses got to witness him leading God's people out of Egypt. Part of the language of the Bible itself is to say that Jesus is the one that actually brings us out of true bondage and brings us into the promised land. That Jesus really is the one that brings us out of our bondage and into our destiny. Something that Moses could not do. And Moses was mediating the covenant, but guess what? Jesus was the covenant of grace. He was grace in the flesh. If you wanna know what the grace of God is, look to Jesus. If you wanna understand how God operates and functions and what he desires, you got Christ. We have Christ to look at. You see, all of this is God reasoning with his, with his family. He's saying sons and daughters, those of you that share in these things, those of you that have the holy calling that I'm working in your life, beware of hero worship. You gotta consider Jesus. 
and fixate on him and think about him. Now, I know this may, you may be thinking in your mind, well, hero worship, what in the world does this have to do with me? I mean, this doesn't really make sense. You already said that we don't really think about heroes in the way that maybe you used to. So how in the world is this relevant in my life? How in the world is this idea of hero worship, what, is it, what does it mean for me at all in my daily walk this week? We see, the reason why we don't think about heroes very much is because we expect to be our own hero. We expect to be the hero of our own lives. That's how we come out. We come out thinking, I know how my life should go. Here are my plans for my life. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. I know what's best for my life. I can make plans. I can do what I want. I've got all this laid out. We don't, we don't think about heroes very much because we consider ourselves as the hero of our own life. And we consider everyone else to need to fulfill our lives. So we're not thinking about sacrifice. We're thinking about getting because we're the hero. And we can tell that we're the hero of our lives whenever something happens that we don't expect and we get really angry or we get so easily overwhelmed. Why? Because as the hero of my own life, I'm not anticipating any hardship. I get what I earn. So I work really hard, I get things, I've earned it. And I deserve to have an easy life. I deserve to be comfortable. I deserve to get what I want. Because we assume and we expect that we're the hero of our own lives. And the gospel is telling us that being the hero of our own life is the path to loneliness and shallowness and insecurity and exhaustion and frustration, it is a way to live life in which you are constantly overwhelmed, constantly frustrated, and just wondering, why doesn't everyone fulfill me? And Jesus stands and says, as an invitation, come to me, all of you that are exhausted, shallow, thinking that everybody else is supposed to fill you, thinking that you've earned everything that you have, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Because if you come to me, you'll find rest. You see, Jesus died for all of our attempts to be our own hero. Because you do realize that when we live our lives as if we're our own hero, we, want, we run into a problem, right? You know what the problem is? To use our favorite popular theologian these days, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. We run into ourselves and we realize we can't fix anything. 
And Jesus invites us to come to him because that's the only place where we will find rest. And that's what brings us to the table.